chapter eight of the book of love by paolo montegazza this librivox recording is in the public domain the depths and the heights of love one whenever i see a flower that opens and shows its cheerful petals on the border of an abyss the same thought ever recurs to my mind there is love which always seems to live between two infinities height and depth while its aspirations carry it aloft while it seems to ask of heaven space and light it projects its roots into the most intricate mazes of the rocks into the most sombre mysteries of the abyss star that glitters in the infinity of the ideal root that dissolves the stones in the infinity of depth it reaches all altitudes and all profundities is the most human of passions and always placed among the divine passions it is in most in us and the most ethereal thought on the summit of a mountain strength in the valley below it guides the poet when he ascends to paradise accompanies man when he plunges into the hot sea of sensuality virgin and father in heaven lover and spouse on earth if to live means to exist in the most beautiful form of life then love is richness luxury splendour of life love is whatever is divine in human beings no one will ever be able to say where love penetrates when it lifts the bottom of human nature where pearls and corals are intermixed with mud it is a diver that brings to light strange and unknown things and reveals to the astonished eye of the observer new things never before conceived it is the most daring and the most fortunate of excavators how many simple natures of young girls how many vulgar talents of men are perturbed agitated and renovated by the contact of the new god who seems to evoke from the abysses all silent passions all dormant ideas all the phantoms of heart and thought the deep simmering of psychical elements at the contact with love almost always announces the birth of a second moral nature and revivifying life marks a new era in it of our birth we are always ignorant and of our death almost always unconscious between the to be and the not to be only one-third and great thing is possible to love while the common people judge from the hair on the face and from the deepened voice that a boy has become a man a tremendous profound earthquake warns him that he must love that he already loves and while mothers behold with affectionate trepidation the rounding of their daughter's form to womanhood another profound earthquake warns the girl that she must love that she already loves in the loving season many animals change colour and shape adorn themselves with new feathers or arm themselves with new weapons with the nuptial robe they assume different habits and singular abilities mutes they become clever singers obtuse they are transformed into skilled architects granivorous they become carnivorous if the earth is their habitat they become winged messengers of the skies if caterpillars they are metamorphosed into butterflies so it is with man although such transmutation hardly affects his epidermis but sinks into the veins and the meanders of his physical nature the phase of puberty deserves to be dealt with separately it will suffice here to remark that every force redoubles every vigour refines and while with our growing to manhood forces and energies prepare and grow love calls forces and energies into action puberty declares us in a state of war love calls us to the battle defenseless if we have not reached puberty we are armed if we have reached it armed and combated if we have reached it and are in love 
not all human forces are good not all the resources of mind are beneficial to the good and therefore love calls into action bad elements as well which had not been seen before for the first time from the deep abysses of the moral man spectres of crime and vice phantoms of revelry and prison appear ineffective organisms predestined for the prison or the madhouse together with first love often the first crime or the first mania reveals itself to the great summoner of profundity and sublimity every human element answers present and the sudden anger in nature's erstwhile mild the first tears on faces till then smiling the first poetic outburst in nature's hitherto utterly prosaic the first hysterical paroxysms in a body that seemed to have no nerves the first ambitions in the most timid youth the first meditations at the mirror the first impulses the first war declared against an invisible enemy the first follies the first flashes of genius the first lies and the first heroisms are all new spectres called from the abysses by the magic wand of the sorcerer among sorcerers by the greatest conjurer of spirits that the blessed age of wizards and exorcisms might have boasted of the man who loves is twice a man because for the first time he feels not only that he is alive but also that he has the power of creating living beings of procreating nor is woman the sole generator because in man's blood is half of a future creature and the seed of a second existence within us doubles us and makes us almost as proud as the ancient prophets to whom god entrusted as to a tabernacle the supreme truth the prophecy of future events a man who loves has within him a part of that which will live in the future the fruitful germs of a new generation while all the psychical forces are still confused and indistinct at first contact with the new sentiment love will march them in procession and muster them under his orders every beauty must transmute itself into flowers for a garland every passion must lend its fire every energy must don the livery of a servant or a slave many to serve one to command many strong but only one supremely strong many subjects but only one tyrant no objection no discussion where love is present who would give suggestions or counsel o virgin and rising forces of youth bow your head before your god splendid beauties of human nature lay your tributes upon the new altars are you not satisfied with the glory of doing homage to love rarely does avarice find place in the first and deep meditations of a heart in love but the question is continually repeated have i something else something better to offer have i really given my whole self to my king a most singular and heart-rending voluptuousness of love is to feel that everything leaves us and that we no longer belong to ourselves it seems as though we were witnessing a satanic phantasmagoria in which we behold limbs organs senses affections thoughts fleeing from us running madly toward a new centre where a new organism is being moulded with our remains even time appears to be ours no longer since it is no longer measured by the watch but by the impatience of desire or the flashes of voluptuousness thought too no longer belongs to us as it is tyrannically ruled by one image alone to find ourselves again to remember that we have still intimate relations with the man of yesterday we must go and seek another creature who has robbed us of everything hence a vague unrest which invades the body the senses and the thoughts of every lover hence the undertaking most difficult even for the ablest dissembler to conceal the new god who invades and penetrates every part of us every hair every pore every nerve every part of the epidermis of the man who loves sings and says to the universe of the living i love and who loves me day and night in the calm and in the storm all the nature of a lover sings its note until another song responds in the same tone not a moment of peace not an instant of truce until the new energy has found a sister energy love is like the sea here it is as calm as the surface of an alpine lake 
still and smooth as a sheet of lead but there among the rocks or upon the coast it is eternally in motion and roaring or sighing howling or caressing agitates with incessant motion the land it kisses men and women who meet and love are the sea and the land which are perpetually at war a war in turn sweet and bitter tender and cruel voluptuous and merciless End of chapter eight one